Yassis, and welcome to the Greece Travel Secrets podcast. Your host is the founder of the Greece Travel Secrets website, Sandy Pappas, and she's joined by a variety of guests covering all sorts of topics about visiting Greece and making the most of your Greek odyssey. Hello, fellow Greece lovers, or should I say Kalimera, hola, bonjour, guten morgen, g'day, wherever you are in the world and however you say hello, thank you for listening in. And most importantly, I hope that this finds you safe and well. I'm a bit late getting a podcast episode out this month. In fact, this will be the only one I will do this month. It's been an unusual month and not a ba- not in a bad way, I guess. It just continues, I'm sure, for many of us to be a very strange and uncertain time. And, you know, all we can do for many of us, again, is just dream about Greece. We can certainly continue to be inspired and to, uh, you know, relive our great memories, share our stories and our ideas and think about next time we might get there. There have been some people, of course, that have been lucky enough to get to Greece this summer. Uh, the doors have been open in Greece for almost a month now. Initially, it opened up to a select group of countries that were believed to have good results in terms of flattening the curve in their countries and keeping their infection rates under control. I know there were a number of countries that were upset to not be on that list. And there were other countries, such as mine here in Australia, that were on the list. However, we are not allowed to leave our own country. So it was just a very, you know, cruel and unusual punishment for us. However, the British were allowed back onto the list after a couple of weeks. And at this stage, you know, infection rates have certainly risen in Greece. I am watching that quite carefully. But the hospitals are not overwhelmed um, and the government at this stage do seem to think that it is manageable. I commend them for their efforts. It must be a very difficult decision to make to keep everybody happy. They desperately need to stimulate their economy. They desperately need to recover as much of their tourist season as they can. But of course, they're also mindful of the safety of their people and of the tourists visiting the country. So it's a very, very slippery slope and a no doubt very difficult thing to plan, to communicate and, as I said, to keep everybody happy. So our thoughts are with Greece. And on that note, um, I'm here today to talk to you about the differences between Santorini and Mykonos. Now, these two islands are the most famous and the most popular islands in Greece and, in fact, in the world in many respects. I have an article on the website called Santorini versus Mykonos. You can find that at greecetravelsecrets.com. It is the most popular article on the website. It is read by hundreds of people every day and it is Googled constantly. So I published that. It's only a short article. It doesn't take long to read. I've tried to make it more like a summary rather than a long, lengthy explanation. I think generally when people are in the planning phase of their trip to Greece, they're looking for high-level itinerary ideas. And whilst the vast majority of 
people will end up settling on what I call the Golden Triangle. So Athens, Santorini and Mykonos. Many other people and particularly people who have been to Greece multiple times will likely not visit either Santorini or Mykonos and I will explain why. Now, there's no doubt that both of these islands are quite extraordinary. They're both very beautiful. Santorini in particular is completely unique and there is no other island like Santorini in the world. You know, it's, it's geographic formations, the fact that it is actually a volcano, that most of the towns and villages are in fact perched up around the caldera or the mouth of the volcano makes it very special and there's something about those blue domes and the white buildings and the beautiful upmarket luxury villas and hotels and tavernas and bars and that incredible sunset that really makes it a world-class destination and in fact, one of the most popular destinations for honeymoons in the world, which is really no surprise. Mykonos is not far from Santorini. They are both located in the Cyclades Islands. So this is the group of islands to the south of Athens. And it is particularly well known for its white sugar cube houses and architecture, which is quite unique. To that area and to that group of islands. So Mykonos is about, depends on which ferry you catch and what time of year, but generally you can travel between the two islands by ferry within about two hours. So it is quite possible, as I said, to visit both of them on your trip. You will get some similar experiences, but they are also quite different as well. There's a lot to see and do at both islands. You'll never get bored, believe me, but they're also both fabulous places to really, what a lot of people say, flop and drop, sit back, relax, and do absolutely nothing except, you know, enjoy yourself. So let me list the differences and similarities between Santorini and Mykonos. Both of them have an international airport, Neither of them are particularly great airports, but they are, you know, they're small international airports. So they're, they're hardworking airports. So you, ha you have to be patient when you're visiting these, these places. They're both similar in size, but not in shape. Mykonos is slightly larger than Santorini. They have a similar number of residents. Mykonos has around 11,000 permanent residents. Santorini has about 15,000. Mykonos is the closest to Athens. It takes about three hours to get there from Piraeus, the main port in Athens. And Santorini, as I said, is a further two hours. So five hours all up from Athens. They are both quite expensive in terms of, you know, comparing to other parts of Greece. They both are home to the most expensive hotels and villas in Greece, although both of them do have budget alternatives too, so it doesn't mean that you need to miss out, you just have to plan carefully. The big difference between these two islands really is about the people that they attract and therefore the types of activities that, that are on offer. 
Mykonos is particularly well known for its beach clubs and its nightlife. So it tends to attract a lot more single people, a lot of friends traveling in groups, maybe slightly younger clientele. Certainly there, there are a number of backpacker and hostel options, whereas um, they do exist on Santorini, but not at the same level and not as much variety to choose from. The other big thing about these two islands is that Santorini being so popular with honeymooners really does attract a lot of couples. And as I said, honeymooners, people that are perhaps celebrating special anniversaries. There's a lot of proposals that take place on Santorini, particularly uh, during sunset or using the sunset as a beautiful backdrop. And there are a number of weddings that take place on Santorini too, for similar reasons, because it's just such a beautiful, romantic, ambient setting. Mykonos is quite pretty, don't get me wrong. There's some beautiful bays and beaches in Mykonos, but it's a relatively flat island. It doesn't really get those jaw-dropping uh, sunsets. It certainly does get sunsets, but there's no caldera, so there's there's nothing that unique about the sunset that you will see in Mykonos, whereas on Santorini, it truly is world-class. So that said, there's also quite a difference in the style of accommodation that you'll find on these two islands. Santorini has the famous cave houses or converted caves that have been turned into very stylish and uber-cool upmarket um, cave style accommodation villas and hotels whereas on Mykonos they tend to be either brand new style villas out in the countryside or around the beach towns or old style cycladic houses in the villages. On the website I have articles for both of these islands about the different towns and villages that you could stay in and, you know, what to consider. I mean, there is a lot to consider. Don't just go for the best looking, you know, swimming pool or whatever it might be. Some of the towns and villages are quite isolated. Some of them are very busy. Some of them are more expensive than others. So have a read of those articles over at greasetravelsecrets.com. Get a feel for the geography, for the towns and villages, and for the types of things that you'd like to see and do whilst you're there. Public transport on both of them is, you know, it's not great. I mean, there are local buses. They can be a little bit unreliable. There are taxis, but again, limited numbers on both islands. We've had quite disastrous experiences with taxis there. You can hire cars and quad bikes, uh, ATVs, whatever you want to call them. They are actually quite dangerous. I don't recommend them. Um, a car is a different matter, but they can also be tricky to get around in and you do need to consider things there. There's again an article on the website about driving in Greece and everything you need to know before you race out and hire a car. But it, you know, it can be hard to get around. Don't just think you'll be strolling down the street and see every single thing you'll see. You will need to figure out how to get uh, one side of the island to the other. If you want to get around and see some of the beaches, if you want to see on Santorini some of the historical and archaeological sites. On Mykonos, you may want to go to some of the beach clubs. And none of those things are really in walking distance from each other. So transport is definitely a consideration. 
and it pays to plan that in advance on both islands. Getting back to the accommodation though, as I said, Santorini really is popular with the honeymooners, with couples, with small groups and solo people travelling on their own. And they will tend to be in these small uh, converted villas, caves or hotels. On Mykonos, there are a lot of villas that are massive and I have articles on both islands that describe um, some excellent and really quite extraordinary Airbnbs that you can rent on both islands. These aren't just lists that I just threw together. I actually put um, a lot of effort into finding, for example, the best Airbnb on each island for extended families. Mykonos has a couple that have over 20 bedrooms. So you can certainly have the whole family um, stay with you. And that, that would be a great option if you were actually planning on, say, a destination wedding or some other event. There's even a house on that list that has its own nightclub with the full DJ booth, everything you'd possibly need. You probably never even need to leave the house, quite frankly. Both lists have um, also choices for people with disabilities or limited mobility, uh, people that are on their honeymoon. So some really romantic options there that have some very private villas with some lovely jacuzzis and infinity swimming pools. Both have windmills and other novelty type places you can stay in, such as vineyards. Both of them have options for great accommodation that is absolutely on the waterfront. So literally metres to the water to have a swim. So you, you'll see that those lists have taken, I hope, a lot of the hard work out for you and that you can quickly find what you need without having to trawl through hundreds and hundreds of listings on Airbnb. It can really be very overwhelming. Now, we talked a little bit about the geography of both islands. Whilst Mykonos is slightly larger than Santorini, it does have less towns and villages. It has 10 towns and villages, as opposed to Santorini, which has 17. Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult to talk right now about the crowds. I mean, in the time of coronavirus, the crowds on both islands are, unsurprisingly, very low, which is great news for the lucky people that are able to be visiting there right now, but probably not great news for a lot of the business owners, many of whom have actually chosen not to open this year. So I'm hearing mixed feedback from visitors there right now. You know, the prices are low, the crowds are low. There's a lot of great reasons to be in Greece right now. But on the other side, it does tend to apparently lack atmosphere, particularly on Mykonos, where people are used to going there for the parties and the nightlife. And those crowds are drastically reduced this year. And, um, and sadly, economically, there will be a big impact on both islands. Cruise ships. Now, this is something in the past that has been very contentious. I'm sure you've all read the reports globally that Santorini in particular 
is considered to be quite ruined by the amount of cruise ship passengers that would normally be visiting the island on any given day. They actually have capped them in Santorini, but you'll probably be shocked to know that the cap is still 8,000 people per day, which works out to about three cruise ships per day. On Mykonos, they can get anywhere between two and seven cruise ships per day, but they do tend to get some of the smaller ones, so the numbers aren't always quite as big at the same time. Now, it just seems bizarre to even be talking about this because right now there are no cruise ships on Santorini and no cruise ships on Mykonos. And whilst, again, many people may rejoice at that, Sadly, there are a lot of people that rely on the income of those ships and they will be feeling that economic impact quite significantly. So I don't know what the answer is. I guess in the future, you know, ideally it would be great if they could strike the perfect balance to allow a number of visitors to come and, of course, support those businesses without overwhelming those places. Santorini in particular does not have a natural water source and they have some you know, fairly substantial environmental issues that have occurred in the past because of the cruise ships. So if nothing else comes out of coronavirus, I do hope that we have learned a lot of lessons that we've given the world time to perhaps pause and reset and think about how we're going to move forward and treat the place a lot nicer than what we have in the past. So again, normally the cruise ship factor would be a big factor to consider. I mean, do you want to be on Santorini when all the cruise ships are in? We've done it quite successfully in the past. It's just a matter of planning your day. They're generally not there early in the morning, so that's when you can get out and about and do some of the great activities on the island, such as hiking, exploring some of the archaeological sites such as Akrotiri and getting out and about to those shops and cafes and galleries and all the wonderful things before the crowds arrive. Generally they tend to turn up around mid-morning to lunchtime and they leave again um, just either before or just after sunset. So you just learn to live like a Greek. I mean, the Greeks go and have a nap around three o'clock. They don't go out for dinner until 10 or 11 p.m. And by that stage, those people have left. So you have the island back to yourself and generally it's all really very bearable. The same occurs on Mykonos. Um, as I said, things are a little bit more spread out there. They don't tend to get as congested and people tend to be out and about during the day uh, doing a lot of water sports and things that involve um, the beach. And people are really looking for the crowds there. I mean, people actually want to be around the crowds as opposed to Santorini where they may be looking for more peace and quiet and a little bit more romance. The other thing Santorini, of course, is renowned for in the past has been the plethora of Instagrammers who can be found everywhere trying to get that perfect shot. And, you know, to be honest, there's times when they are incredibly annoying. So, again, Santorini's having a lovely break from, um, from that. They're not having people walking all over their blue church domes and hogging views from other people. And hopefully, 
learning to be much better tourists and travellers in the future. One of the biggest differences between Santorini and Mykonos is the beaches. I don't think anybody will pretend to tell you that Santorini has the best beaches in Greece because it does not. There are a lot of great things about Santorini, but the beaches are, you know, pretty ordinary. They're unusual. I mean, they are volcanic. There are some very colourful beaches. Red Beach, of course, springs to mind. There's also beaches that have a lot of black sand and rocks. And there's another beach called White Beach. So they went to a lot of trouble naming these beaches, Black red and white um, but you know the water isn't particularly clear that does lend itself to some decent snorkeling however there's no white sandy beaches on Santorini they are rocks and pebbles and they are not the best in Greece there are many other places that you can find amazing beaches in Greece and Mykonos does have actually some pretty decent beaches. It does have wide, sandy, blue beaches. Um, so that's why a lot of people prefer it over Santorini. It really just depends on what you're into and what you're looking for on your visit. Both islands actually have uh, a couple of things that make them stand out from other islands around the world. And they are animals. So on Mykonos, there is a very famous pelican called Petros. He's very tame. He's been used to being fed by tourists and shopkeepers for many years. And he wanders around the old town and happily interacts with people. He's very difficult to scare off and people love to take photos of him, of course. On Santorini, there are the donkeys. Now, these are very controversial. I'm sure most people have strong feelings about how the donkeys are used. And it's not just Santorini that do this. This is something you'll find across Europe and, in fact, other parts of the world like Morocco or Mexico. But on Santorini, the donkeys and the mules can be worked quite hard and particularly because they are often picking up bags and unfortunately passengers from cruise ships and ferries at the bottom of the caldera and taking them right up to the top which as you can imagine on very hot days in summer must be extremely hard for them. I have an article on uh, greasetravelsecrets.com. You will find it under culture. And it explains firstly the difference between donkeys, horses and mules because there are significant differences and most people don't realise that in fact usually they're probably seeing mules on Santorini, which is a good thing. I also go into quite a bit of detail about the background of why they're used, how they're used and different alternatives that you can use as a visitor rather than using uh, the donkeys, but also how you can still support the very many men who have been in the donkey industry and, and supporting their families that way for many generations. It's a very complicated issue. So I know it gets people very riled up, people get very emotional about it, but do take the time to have a read of that article because I think, I hope that it really objectively explains everything you need to know and to educate yourself before you visit Santorini and see the donkeys. Now what else? What else? 
sets these two iconic islands apart. I mentioned earlier about the types of people that they attract and I know I've talked a fair bit about the honeymooners and the couples on Santorini. That's not to say that if you were a single or if you were traveling in a large group you would feel unwelcome because that's not the case at all. It does cater to everybody. It does tend to, I think, at the end of the day, cater for people that are looking for a little bit more privacy or to be traveling just that little bit more independently. Mykonos, however, as I said earlier, really is the party capital of Greece. It's where people go that are interested in the nightlife and the beach clubs. It's very popular with the LGBTI community. There are a couple of beaches in particular where they tend to congregate en masse in the summer. It's also very popular with celebrities. So they literally have a red carpet on Super Paradise Beach and you can sit there and just watch the super yachts coming in and the lifestyles of the rich and famous. People arrive on Mykonos by helicopter and by private jet and there are celebrities every summer photographed, dancing on tables, having parties. Lindsay Lohan has a nightclub there, a beach club. Um, so if you want to really be into some celebrity spotting, then Mykonos is your best bet over Santorini. The other thing worth mentioning is the weather. Now they are, as I said earlier, very close together. So the weather, of course, is pretty similar, certainly in terms of temperature. There is, however, a very special wind that blows through the Cyclades in summer, and it's called the Meltemi. Now, again, this is quite a contentious subject. Locals quite like the Meltemi. It does keep the temperature down. If it's not a windy day, it can be very hot, particularly with all those white reflective surfaces in the middle of summer. And the wind is also, as you can imagine, very popular with people that love to do water sports, the windsurfers and the sailors. So the yachties love it when the Meltemi is blowing. However, there's a lot of visitors that, of course, don't like it. I'm probably one of them. I don't particularly like having my hair blowing in my face all day. But luckily on the Greek islands, you can always find a bay or a beach or a cove or a town or a village that is facing away from the wind and you will have some reprieve and you can go there for the day and then the next day it may not be windy. That's a big thing about the Meltemi. It's very unpredictable. I often hear people say, oh, don't go to Mykonos, it's too windy, or don't go to Paros, it's too windy. The reality is, on the day that that wind was blowing, it was blowing all over the Cycladic Islands. They just happened to be on that one at the time, so that's all that they remember. The Meltemi, however, comes down from the Bosphorus. It blows down from Turkey through the northern Aegean and down through the Cyclades. So it does tend to be more windy on Mykonos because it's further north and is one of the first islands to be hit when the wind blows, whereas Santorini is at the southern end of the Cyclades and often the wind may have died off or at least died down somewhat by the time it reaches there. So you are a little bit safer with the weather on Santorini. So they are the main 
similarities and differences between Santorini and Mykonos. You can read, as I said, more about that on the website, greasetravelsecrets.com. If you go to either the Santorini page or the Mykonos page, you will find the full article that goes into more detail about this topic. If for whatever reason you've decided that you don't want to go to either of those islands, but you're still curious to have a similar experience, at my, I add a much lower price tag, then I would suggest instead of Santorini, you could try Milos, which also has some very extraordinary volcanic elements to it, or Foligandros, which is not far. In fact, it's right in the middle of Santorini and Milos. For Mykonos, Paros would be my suggestion. The uh, village of Nausa in particular has a very lively nightlife scene and a lot of people describe Paros as being very much like Mykonos was, say, 10 years ago. I'm talking post-coronavirus impact here. So you can get some of the key elements from Mykonos with some beach clubs and some nightlife and the bars and the celebrities. But there's many parts of Paros that are not like that at all. So you can escape and not have to be living that lifestyle the entire visit. And nor does it attract uh, the prices that some of Mykonos places can. We once had a lunch at... Namos Beach Club, which cost $2,000. And we had, we were, what, five adults and four children, and we didn't have anything particularly unusual, such as, you know, top shelf crystal champagne or, or anything. It was just normal food. So, um, yeah, we're a little bit wary of going back to Mykonos for that reason, although there are some really lovely places that are really very affordable. So don't let me put you off completely, but they are things to keep in mind. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast. I hope that has given you a much clearer understanding of the differences between Santorini and Mykonos, particularly if you are a bit time poor and you can't get both of those islands on your itinerary and you can only pick one. There's a lot more information on the website under planning. There's a complete planning guide there. There are many itineraries. If you haven't signed up yet to the free itinerary, that's very detailed. It literally tells you how to get from A to B to Z, where to go in between. Then you can do that also on the website or pop over to our Facebook group, Greece Travel Secrets, Plan Your Trip to Greece. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you again next time.